Hello and a warm welcome to our Catholic News podcast. Our episodes are coming thick and fast from COVID-19 lockdown and today we're carrying on where we left off last time. Our focus remains on Pope Francis and his historic visit to Iraq, the first by any Pope to the country. And you might remember that last time we looked to the capital Baghdad and the Patriarch of Babylon of the Chaldeans, Cardinal Louis Sarko. Now, for this podcast, we're heading north to Erbil in Iraqi Kurdistan. Our guest is an ebullient and purposeful Chaldean leader, Archbishop Bashar Mati Warder, a man well known to us here in the UK as he's visited many times, drawing our attention, of course, to the plight of Christians in the country. So today we're learning more about those preparations for the papal visit, particularly in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, and also, of course, the realities facing the Christians in the North and the Archbishop's oh-so-realistic hopes for the future. So if I could start Archbishop Bashar, I mean, obviously, perhaps that's a good starting point, as, as we've just said off mic there. You know, it's hard enough to actually organise a papal visit, as we know, in 2010 without COVID-19. But obviously, the circumstances are a little different for you. Tell us just a little bit about the challenges of organising something as wonderful and as big as this with a sort of pandemic backdrop. Well, first of all, we have to thank God for such historical visit. I've already said it several times over the last 50 years, all the scenes and pictures, images, news came from, from Iraq is about war, dispute, violence, ISIS, uh, sectarian violence, killing, kidnapping, etc. All of these, what you call evil images, I would say. For the first time, probably the world will see different story, different images, people praying, people try to really think about the call that you are all brothers. That's the, the logo of the whole visit. And that's the main message that the Pope, His Holiness, is going to spread. First, I have to congratulate His Holiness for this courageous decision, you know, uh, over 80 years old and such really, really difficult, busy schedule, traveling all over the place, and then coming to Erbil to celebrate the Mass, which is for us, as the Catholic, it's the momentum when we all united around the Eucharist of our Lord. It's a grace. It's a grace. However, <laughs> with pandemic, uh, he is very cautious about, I mean, he said it from the beginning, that he do care that he will not cause harm for everyone being there and because of his travel, because his travel is a kind of encounter with brothers and sisters, and he does not want to cause any kind of, I mean, harm on, on anyone. From our side, we had to reduce the presence of the, of the people from 30,000 to 10,000 only. We have to register everyone who would be in the stadium. Social distancing, mask, take care of, of the people traveling from outside Erbil, receiving them, hospitality in, in kind of food and water and uh, other supplies. Take all the transportation because there is the first spot where everyone would gather would be in Ankawa, where they would be received, checked, and checking 
their what we call their identity this is the card that is going to be given to everyone entering the stadium which has the name the address the telephone number and there is a barcode and also there is some kind of uh, well memorial uh, souvenir if you want of course we are two bishops myself and bishop nazar working together for this visit in erbil so our groups are working together we have invited also some like young people from choir of the Assyrian Orthodox Church some Muslims musicians will be participate also in in chanting i would say the biggest challenge is the logistic to maintain a healthy encounter a healthy celebration the government have put all their efforts the government of kurdistan here in erbil the president the prime minister they made it very very easy for us they said well the stadium the media the whole stage will be their responsibility this have helped really this have helped in in a way definitely very historic and and very exciting even for those of us in the international community very exciting to see this visit happen without a doubt it's interesting what you said at the start actually because i was thinking that i was thinking that the international tv news cameras have gone away now we saw those negative images for for many years, whether it was Al-Qaeda, whether it was Daesh, you know, some very frightening and horrific things to look on from a distance. But yet it's it's important to remember, obviously, that Christians have been in the north of Iraq for 2000 years, haven't they? We've always talked about the exodus and whether is this the end of Christianity in Iraq, which would obviously be a, a tragedy. You know, yes, the presence has been seriously threatened. Yes, there's been persecution. But tell us a little bit about the current situations, uh, you know, the, the opportunities and challenges perhaps facing the Christian community. Well, I mean, in areas like Baghdad, Mosul, these big cities where we used to grow, uh, or at least be in a big, big number, it's not the case anymore. We've lost two-thirds of the Christian community in Iraq. Many are now settled in America, in Canada, Australia, Europe, still other thousands of families in Turkey and Lebanon and Jordan waiting for, for the final. And we have to be realistic no one was is going to come back because the circumstances political and security and social and economic reasons which led them to take that decision and leave is still there the story is a bit different in kurdistan in erbil yes uh, there is quite security coexistence is really a fact the government is encouraging us really in a way that to thrive we have for example speaking of my diocese we have four schools we have a university a hospital yeah i mean this have also helped providing 460 jobs so far for the community is a is a stability it's challenging in nineveh plain first i have to thank all the churches bishops cardinals everyone who've shown their solidarity during the displacement after ISIS attack and came and visit support spoke prayed because of that we have maintained the presence of 8000 families in Erbil who were able to go back again and rebuild Nineveh plain from the scratch i would say it's still very challenging very difficult there is no livelihood programs security is still an issue in in certain area there they have a lots of challenges to face 
But here in Erbil and the Hawk, Zaho and Nanu Plain, I must say we do need the financial, the support of our brothers Catholic, brothers and sisters Catholics around the world, at least for a while until we could really start moving on. The whole economy is, is a shaky economy and this might affect because some families would think, okay, we could go to Jordan and Lebanon and live with the same uncertainty, economical and social uncertainty for a while and then move on to final destination like America, Australia and start over. Of course, there are also challenges there, I, I must say. When it comes to second and third generation, uh, it's a, the whole story is different. However, if we could really focus on the people left here in, in Iraq with, with a clear vision of, yes, we are a missionary church now and we should live up to this responsibility. The nature uh, or the identity of our schools should be always directed towards this mission presence, the identity of our university, the identity of our hospital. For example, uh, we've opened Mariamana Private Hospital. Of course, it's a hospital, so all qualified medical staff being welcomed, Christian, Muslims, whoever comes. But you could tell the presence of the Muslims there have changed. Yes, there is a picture, the icon of Our Lady, Mother Perpetual Help in everywhere, everywhere in that. There is the statues of Our Lady there in the heart of, of the hospital. There, for the te- first time in Iraq, there is a chapel and there is a mosque, one beside the other. Because when they told me, how comes? I said, well, I don't like Muslims to pray in corridors or in this respected place. It's a prayer. How comes? No, no you need a suitable place, a nice place to pray this is this is a prayer to god and you can't imagine how much they appreciate this and you could tell from the presence of the muslims doctors and staff is different we haven't spoke or preached anything just the presence just being there with respect to their beliefs and their i will tell you they've changed some of them really changed in a way the same thing we, we try to implement in our schools, in our hospitals, in our university. But we need time. If you tell me how long you want the help to continue, I would say five years, maximum six years. But uh, we have to encourage other churches outside Erbil to at least have their own initiatives. It does not have to be copy-paste. No, no. Each diocese has a different story. Each diocese has a different neighboring communities, I think we could approach, for example, in Al-Qosh, we have a good opportunity to reach out to the Yazidis, who were also suffering. Also, they suffered lack of international support. That's one. So we could help them as Christians in bridging. We have received over 20 students on scholarship base in our university, Yazidi students. I think there is a possibility to enlarge this number and help them to help themselves. I mean, for me, uh, always tell people, I mean, try to be leaders who are needed. Please do not work as charity to raise needy people. No, no, needy people, it's not a good aim for, for any kind of educational, charitable project, whatever. So I think we have a unique opportunity 
But unfortunately, I would say money is needed. It would be well planned in a way that self-sustaining programs where we would be able to help others later on, even financially. That's that's the aim. It's not it's not just uh, having the two fish and uh, five bread loaves. No, no. It's how really to take it with gratitude and share it and also store some for future. It's it's lovely to hear you talk that way because I know there have been many challenges over the years. You know, you can't help but see those challenges. And you've been very clear in your leadership about that. And I, I read an interview actually with um, Aid to the Church in Need International where you talked about that recurring cycle of violence in the Middle East that has occurred over 1,400 years. Obviously, the Pope, Pontifex, bridge builder, you're talking wonderfully about spaces for, for Muslims to pray in a, in a solemn and, and reasonable way, not in corridors. And I think that's that's a really good bridge building example. Wonderful. So do you think that the Pope's visit can be a path to a prolonged period of peaceful coexistence? It will raise a lot of questions and thoughts. Some will be negative, probably some hard Blind Muslims will not like it, but I would say uh, others, hopefully majority of them would like it, would listen, would start digging deep in the history to find out who are those Christians. Are they infidels as we have always heard or, oh no, what's their contribution? Yeah, that's the long-term benefits of the visit. It's not going to help the Christians materially or directly because we are really in a very corrupted political and so economical system. No, no doubt about that. He will hear nice words as they do tell us, you are the important, you are the flower in the garden of Iraq, you are this and you are that. This is all there. But uh, when it comes to day-to-day issues, no. I mean, it's a different story. But I think it would raise, it would raise some some thoughts about the history of Christianity, the presence, the peaceful coexistence, and their contribution. These issues sometimes being neglected, forgotten. He would speak directly. Uh, you know, he's chosen this verse, you all are brothers. It's not for Christians, but for the whole Iraq. It's needed, I could tell you, today more than any day before. Well, you know, a historic first papal visit to Iraq. I think good for the wider Middle East, I would have to say. Also, you know, our Christians, our Catholic community here in England and Wales, many of our bishops have been to Iraq over the years, uh, particularly to the north. Cardinal Nichols is always watching on with interest and prayers for the work going on out there. Oh, well, I'm sorry for Liverpool. I mean, <laughs> it was, was a disaster. I can't. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway. I'm sure he felt that keenly as well. Uh, I couldn't write to him, you know. I mean, whenever they win, I will write. Usually I send him a... But this time I said, no, it's better to just to keep him absorbed this this moment. Anyway. That proves how well you know him, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Something very close to his heart. But this is close to his heart, of course. All of us looking on. I just wanted to ask you... You know, we're moved by the church's work, particularly when we, we look at the church serving wider society. You know, despite everything that's happened to Christians and minorities in Iraq, the church serves and does those wonderful things that you've highlighted for us. But it's always a difficult one, isn't it, in terms of practical help that you can get and spiritual help from, from our community in England and Wales. But give us a few pointers. What can we do for you? 
I would say specifically, for example, if the community in, in England and Wales will say, Bishop, we will adopt 100 students at the university and please choose from the variety of the Iraqi community, Christian, Muslim, Yazidi, Shabak, please don't make it just for Christians. Probably you could give half of this scholarships to Christians from, from Mosul and Nineveh Plain. Each scholarship would cost only $2,500. I don't know how much, how many, how much in pounds a year and for four years, for example. But we, we need an update each semester, each year about the performance of each students in, in the way. Uh, this is a practical uh, project where there is a communication between families directly with a certain suffered, neglected, uh, probably. I mean, I have to say the Muslims also are suffering, the poor Muslims. The, I mean, the, so many poor families. I mean, uh, lots of students are leaving the schools. Lots of students, they cannot make it in, in a way. This kind of, of, I think, project, 100 scholarships, 150 scholarships, it's obvious, directed face-to-face -face with, with Zoom, for example, they could, we could encourage this kind of communication between, between the students and the families. This would be one. We have Iraqi Christian in need, for example, there in London, with Joe Bahoshi and Suha Rassam, have started to work with, with our hospital they are sending 5,000, 10,000 to treat the poor and needy. I mean, to give you an example, during, during the month of August, September, October, November, we have the highest rate of people being caught with COVID-19. The church provided all the medicine and oxygen to all the people while they're at home. We formed a committee of seven doctors on consultation or form. We were following with each cases, and that's because we've had some help coming and people start, even those who've been affected by the virus, giving money, please, this is for, for someone else. I would say projects like this would be quite, not just practical, but it would have an, a future effect. When someone would, would uh, study at the university and learn through a year that there were families caring about him and not just praying for him, but really caring financially for him, this would, would really help. There is also a way of helping the evangelization of the church by catechism. We have uh, programs in all dioceses, for example. With the Knights of Columbus we've, in, in America, we've we established uh, a program two years ago, and it was implemented this year, where a parish would adopt another parish here in Iraq for three years, to help them paying for catechism, youth activities, and some poor and needy people. So each parish would collect an amount of 2,000, 5,000, whatever, it depends, and help that family, uh, help this parish. And this parish will have to respond back with pictures, news, and letters, and exchange communications to show the solidarity on the ground. Yes, prayer is needed, but you have to give them something to eat in a way. I would tell you it's a challenging time for us. We believe in God. I mean, our faith, yes, if you tell me speaking as, I mean, someone 
was there is there a future i would say giving these circumstances i would say no there is no future sooner or later the majority of the christians who are abroad will invite i mean family union within these programs will take that but is this the end of it no because the final word is for god and god who kept the christianity alive for 2000 years in iraq with all of these difficulties and persecution right from the beginning he will find his way but of course we have to think with him to help him find the way i mean he needs our help as well with that absolutely it's it's really inspiring listening to you although i can feel the realism i know we have to be realistic with these mm-hmm. things there are the challenges there are the difficulties that will be ongoing and nobody wants to see as is sort of human nature and certainly the news cycles as soon as something big happens all the cameras turn up as soon as that finishes they all go away and people are fairly quick to forget aren't they really so i suppose i'd like to finish by asking you what are your hopes if you if you could dream big on this one what would be a sort of good result at the end of the papal visit for the future of of christians in iraq but why do iraq Oh I mean I mean I do believe that the holy father when he comes he would come at least with 150 cameras at least 50 of them should be still interested for a year 10 of them would continue I mean oh god ask Abraham for 10 people and I'm sure he will we will find around the world 10 cameras and microphones and pens to keep writing keep shouting and be sure i mean don't worry i will keep shouting whatever i'll take it this way people because of so much events happening around the world we tend to forget deny turn the attention to somewhere else for example for myanmar for i mean you know this is the world so i would say no i mean if you keep reminding people we are here we are here I think the response will come and that's what happened over the past 20 years. Yeah, we kept saying, yes, we are here and we would like to be here. We would like to help. We appreciate any words of help that comes. There was always a generous response for that. So 10 cameras out of 150 if they would keep writing, showing and informing people this would be also good. When it comes to local i would say yes it's good it's still good it's still good that the i mean the pope comes and gather all those people and tell them you are brothers this is a big evangelizing steps for him archbishop bashar warder well thank you very much and i hope it's a positive visit for you as well i hope you enjoy it and and thank we can you. look to the future with a good heart thank you god bless Archbishop Bashar Warder there, fascinating and forthright in equal measure. Well, that's it for this podcast, but just to tip you off as to a couple more interviews that we have on Iraq and the Papal Visit, next up we'll hear from our very own cardinal, Cardinal Vincent Nichols. He'll be talking about a visit that he made back in April 2015 when Islamic State Daesh was running riot in the north, persecuting Christians, minorities and of course many Iraqis. And several of the displaced took refuge in Erbil, so the cardinal as he went there was able to experience first hand the challenges the displaced were facing in their homeland 
Then, to round off our interviews on this, just before the Pope departs for Iraq on the 5th of March, we'll bring you an interview with the Syriac Catholic Archbishop of Hadiab Erbil, Archbishop Nizar Siman, who is from the Nineveh Plains himself, and in fact his hometown is Karakosh, where the Pope will celebrate Mass in the newly reconstructed cathedral where Archbishop Nizar was ordained Archbishop. All this and more before the papal visit to Iraq, so please stay tuned, but more importantly, please stay safe. Bye for now.